Hello, Horror Nights in podcast family. It has been almost 10 months since I last uploaded an episode of this podcast. And I have to first say how truly sorry I am for my absence. If you follow me on my YouTube channel, you know I've spent a great deal of time working on that. But then, of course, I also took a break from that as well. So not to bore you with the reasons why, because the only thing that matters now is that I am back full-fledged on the podcasting and the YouTubing. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. My name is Crystal and I'm the host of this podcast where I talk about horror movies, the good, the bad, the new, and the old. I will be uploading a new episode of this podcast every Monday and we are going back to the basics, reviewing horror movies because that is what started this whole thing and that is what makes me the happiest. So let's get into the episode. It is almost the most wonderful time of the year, you guys. So I decided for the month of October, I'm going to be exploring some of my favorite classic iconic horror films. I'm going to be breaking them down and talk about some moments that I feel don't always have the limelight within the particular franchise. I have always loved watching a good horror film and doing research on it, like fan theories, reviews, all of it. So I think this is the best way to come back to my podcast and come back to you guys. If you've been following me for a while, you know I am in love with the Scream franchise. It has slowly become my favorite horror film, especially as I made the notes for this episode. I have cosplayed as Sydney a few times, and it's so fun to embody such a badass final girl. My favorite final girl. The cosplay photos are on my Instagram if you want to check them out. Alright, so let's go back to the beginning. Do you guys remember the Gainesville Ripper? Daniel Harold Rowling was an American serial killer who murdered five students in Gainesville, Florida over four days in late August of 1990. Once he was apprehended and confessed to killing eight people, he was sentenced to death in 1994. He was then executed by lethal injection in 2006. This was one of the inspirations for what we know now as the Scream films. Then, of course, we have Kevin Williamson and his passion for horror films like the 1978 Halloween. Williamson is, of course, an American screenwriter, director, and producer. And on March 9th, 1994, he watched an episode of Turning Point... And the subject was on Daniel Rowling, a.k.a. the Gainesville Ripper. So the first part of the Scream franchise I have always loved figuring out is who killed who, especially in the first film. And with that, we have to start with Maureen Prescott, who is, in my opinion, and probably close to fact, the catalyst of the first three films films. 
We know from the films that Maureen spent most of her life in Woodsboro, except for her two secret years in the early 70s. And of course, we all know about the infamous Milton parties, which ended up with Maureen becoming pregnant and giving birth to her son, Roman, who she put up for adoption. Years later, Roman, wanting to seek out his mother, was met with disdain, and she shut the door in his face. Roman, seeking revenge on his mother, sought out Billy Loomis and shows him the stalking footage and definitely grooms Billy into seeking his own revenge because his father cheated on his mother with Maureen. Then, of course, Billy groomed his best friend, Stu Mocker, to help him kill Maureen and then frame her lover, Cotton Weary. So... Let's take it back to the first film in the franchise, which brings us to Casey Becker. She is a high school student and the ex-girlfriend of Stu Mocker, and she gets the iconic phone call from the killer, but she was ultimately killed by Stu, and this was confirmed by Williamson himself. Her phone calls were actually from Billy Loomis, which was also confirmed by Williamson. So next we have Steve Orth, who is Casey's current boyfriend, who is killed by Stu, which is interesting because I don't think we ever got a reason as to why Casey and Stu broke up, but considering it's high school, it might have been high drama and teenage feelings, and maybe Stu wanted to get back at Casey for having a new football boyfriend? So he was the one who killed Steve? Just something to think about. Next, we have Principal Hambry's murder. So for me, this murder feels a little strange considering most of the murders were of high school students. As I was doing my notes, I realized the reasoning behind this was because there was 30 pages of script without a murder. So Williamson added in the death of the high school principal. I also have a theory that the reason they killed off the principal was to throw off the audience as to who and why these murders were happening. We also have to theorize that Billy killed the principal because Stu was busy inviting guests to his party that night, and we aren't sure where Billy is during the murder. Then, of course, the principal's death was used as a ruse to get rid of the partiers. Next, we have Tatum Riley's murder. So Tatum is Sidney Prescott's best friend and, of course, the current girlfriend of Stu and the sister of Deputy Dewey Riley. Tatum tries to protect her friend from the media attention since the killings occurred on the anniversary of her mother's murder. So Tatum's murder is probably the most controversial debate of the Scream series, but it is strongly believed that Billy killed her while Stu was hosting the party. If Stu would have left his party, people might have noticed his absence, so Billy was able to fly under the radar. He then appears moments later after her death and gave Stu a look and punching his arm, possibly to signal that Tatum is dead. And it is also believed that Stu was the one who locked the door behind Tatum, which he could have done easily and then blended right back into the party. 
I actually have an interesting little theory, and it goes like this. So, Stu decided to kill his ex-girlfriend, but not kill his current girlfriend, Tatum. Could have been just part of the plan, but what if Stu had stronger feelings for Casey versus Tatum? Eh. Maybe just some teenage romance gone wrong, but also something interesting to think about. Okay, so in Scream 2, being a huge Buffy Summers fan, and of course Sarah Michelle Gellar, I loved the character of Cece Cooper. She was a student at Windsor College, and she was a classmate of Randy Meeks, and of course mickey altieri in their film theory class she was a target for two reasons first because her name resembled casey becker and her opinion during the film theory class discussion which was opposite of what mickey's views were and she sided with randy who we know of course from the first film so Cece's stance was that life didn't imitate art, which was the opposite standpoint of Mickey's. And then after class, Cece attended the press conference concerning the recent murders of Maureen Evans and Phil Stevens. So because Scream, the first one, is definitely my favorite of them, there are a ton of little details within the film that many Scream fans might not have noticed, or, you know, you might have. Some of my favorites definitely have to be uh, the cover of Don't Fear the Reaper, which plays when we first meet Billy when he crawls through Sydney's window. This, of course, is a hint to us that Billy is the Reaper, and this song is a reference to the 1978 Halloween film when this song plays in the car when Laurie Strode and Annie Brackett are on their way to babysit. Also in the first Scream film, there is the infamous quiet creak in Sydney's closet several hours before she is attacked. When she gets home from school and she is bombarded with news reports about her mother, she walks around her house and hears the creak, but shrugs it off. We are also introduced to the rules of surviving a horror movie from Randy Meeks. And it goes a little like, no sex, no drinking, no drugs, and of course, never say, I'll be right back. Scream was able to spawn more cult classics, like I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty, and Urban Legend. The film was also extremely meta, as I mentioned, because more than a handful of times, the characters call themselves out. Only a few minutes into the film, Drew Barrymore mentions Nightmare on Elm Street as her favorite horror movie, which we know, of course, was directed by Mr. Craven. So for it to be in the same universe as Scream doesn't make sense, but that's why it's brilliant. Also, we cannot forget about the supporting cast during the film, like the cheerleader in the bathroom who delivers her lines and performance so well, and of course the extra in the video store after Randy <laughs> flips out. Okay, so Scream 2, not my favorite in the series. I know I touched on this one a little bit ago with Cece, 
So this is just a continuation. Progressively, it was accurate because Sydney has now moved on, is attending college, surrounded by new friends and new people. The film knew what it was, and it called itself out too. A sequel. Randy once again teaches us some more horror rules about sequels while in the university's library. We also get the romance between Gale and Dewey, which we really don't see a lot in horror. It's more of slash and gore, which of course is fine, but it's nice to see and feel some love being intertwined with all of the killings. Then we have the brilliant cold open with Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith attending a sneak peek of Stab. So you're probably wondering why I'm hyping this film up after I just told you that it wasn't my favorite. Well, the killers and the piece de resistance, if you will, was how they revealed themselves in the college auditorium on a theater stage. Now listen, I get it. There was a connection between the play and Sydney's life and of course it being played out like she was on a constant stage, but I was just not a fan and that whole singing scene with Jerry O'Connell serenading Sydney, I just felt as if it didn't really fit. Everything else before the final act was great though. So now I want to chat a little bit about why I love Scream 3. This may cause some controversy, but I'm going to try to sound convincing, but also I'm going to point out the flaws, so please hear me out. I really enjoyed this film within the film, and it also focused on Maureen, and you should know by now if you're listening that I'm super into this really messed up family dynamic. We also get the really awesome line from Sydney when she's yelling at her half-brother, which goes a little bit like, God, stop your whining and get on with it. I've heard this shit before. Why don't you just take some fucking responsibility? Sydney is, of course, prepared with her bulletproof vest, and when Roman threw a punch, she threw one right back. I also think Parker Posey as Gail Weathers was one of my favorite parts of this entire film. Another reason why I enjoy this film so much is because I've always loved seeing the ins and outs of creating a horror film, or really any film, from the sets, to the casting, to the behind the scenes, so when you put all that together, I really did enjoy it. Of course, I love a finished product, but meshing the two together really just does it for me. Okay, so one of the things that Scream 3 lacked was there wasn't enough sibling interaction between Sydney and Roman. Considering Roman was stalking Sydney's mother and his mother, we have to assume Roman was also, in a sense, stalking Sydney as well. So why don't we see more of them? Even a scene where Roman has his first real face-to-face with Sydney before he reveals himself as the killer, and seeing his reaction might have helped the audience connect more and have more of a feeling. And why would Sydney immediately just believe that Roman is her half-brother? I feel like there just needed to be a little bit more convincing. There is definitely some plot holes as well and some cheesy lines and not so great casting, but I really won't apologize for liking this film. 
The only thing I'm going to say about Scream 4 right now is that no way can you convince me that Jill was a good ghost face. And yes, of course, I enjoyed Kirby just like everybody else and her knowledge of all things horror. But that's really all I want to say about Scream 4 right now. If you want, I can do a more in-depth on Scream 4 and why I didn't really enjoy it. So let me know. Alright, so in 2015, we got a new TV series simply called Scream. That, of course, was an inspiration of the original Scream. I did watch the first season, and I actually really enjoyed it. The first two seasons were situated in the fictional town of Lakewood, where a string of murders take place. At the center of these murders was Emma Duvall, a teenage girl who was somehow tied to the town's dark past. And as I was doing my research, it seems that the series fell into the dreaded third season, as it did with its predecessor, Scream 3. The first two seasons followed the same storyline and the characters, but then jumped into season 3 with a completely different attitude and setting and abandoned their storyline. As horror fans, we love the nostalgia of horror films, and especially for me, it's Scream. I have said this before, and I have fallen asleep watching the first Scream, so when they decided to reboot it into a series, I was intrigued. I will admit, it did take me a while to get into the series, and I had started and restarted it a few times, but finally finished it, and of course, it played out exactly as I thought. Also, I wanted to put this in here because it dropped as I'm working on this episode. So apparently now you can rent the original Scream House on Airbnb. And it reads, do you like scary movies? Stay at the Scream House. And it has one bedroom, one air mattress, and one bathroom with the entire house to yourself. So they are playing this up as it being from Dewey's perspective, and it says, As the local sheriff, it's my duty to be your host to keep everything under control for your stay at the Scream House. What could possibly go wrong? In honor of Scream's 25th anniversary and the upcoming 2022 film, face your fears and stay the night where ghosts face terrors begin. And then it goes on to describe the space and it says step back in time circa 1996 where you'll be instantly transported to the town of Woodsboro and all the mischance that surrounds it. You and up to three guests can stay the night if you think you can handle it. Ghostface has returned to terrorize our town so we'll need to be careful to avoid any encounters. We all know he loves to make an entrance. As the next brave souls to spend a night at the Scream house, you'll get to experience all the scariest elements of Scream in the house where the first film's most thrilling and suspenseful moments took place, including a virtual greeting at check-in from me, as long as Ghostface doesn't catch me first, the chance to explore the Scream house in all its original glory from knife marks on the door to the garage where my sister Tatum met her unfortunate demise. A movie marathon featuring all four Scream films on VHS, of course, to get caught up of the next Scream release. A dedicated phone line for you if you dare to reach Ghostface directly, but watch out, he might just call the house too. Classic 90s snack favorites like Jiffy Pop, Ice Cream, 
with all the ready whip you could ever want and pizza if you're able to stomach it, and the chance to take home unique Scream memorabilia, including a DVD bundle for the first four Scream films, Woodsboro High Gear, and a Scream 2022 posters and more. Whether you enjoy a true thrill or just a scary movie fanatic, get ready for a -a one-of-a-kind sleepover commemorating all things Scream. And don't forget to catch me in the upcoming Scream in theaters around the world starting in January 2022. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, The booking isn't open until October. I think I read it as October 12th. And I don't think that they put a price on it yet either, but if that's something that you're interested in and you go, you definitely have to let me know because I'm curious to see what happens. It sounds like it's just amazing and a dream come true. So who knows? My birthday is in November, so maybe a little birthday getaway. I don't know. I've never been to California, so it could be fun. So, of course, I cannot do a Exploring Scream podcast episode if we don't talk about some fan theories about the upcoming film Scream 5. So, the first is that Sydney is killed off in the cold open. So, we love a good cold open and Scream 4 gave us one of the best ones for sure. But, in the same breath, Scream 4's motive isn't enough for me. But, Scream 4 can be for another time. So, no, I do not think this is going to happen because Sydney is such an iconic final girl and we don't see too many of those in the more current horror films. So I'm going to say a no on that for Miss Prescott. So let's stay on the subject of Sydney. Fans are theorizing that she will be ghost-faced this time because as fans, of course, we always wonder who will be ghost-faced and why do they hate Sydney Prescott so much? So it would be interesting to see if she snaps and turns those tables, considering her mother was the reason for all the things that continue to happen to her. There are also theories that Dewey is really behind all the killings and isn't really Sydney's protector and friend, but is somehow twisted up in the whole Roman, Billy, Maureen saga. Another one that he found that is great is that Scream 5 will ignore all the in-between films and mock how every franchise ignores the sequels and the resets. This is interesting because we have seen this done within the Halloween franchise, and I'm all for ignoring a couple in the line for Scream due to the strength of the motive. I'm looking at you, Jill. As a huge Scream fan, I really did like the layers we got from the spiderwebs of Maureen Prescott, and I would like to see the be touched on again, which of course means that someone we are familiar with will be the killer, but that doesn't really follow what we know as the Ghostface killer because it's always a new character or somebody that we never would have expected. 
I was also on Reddit because if you watched any of my YouTube videos, you will know that I love Reddit threads. And there is a lot of discussion about Randy's sister, Martha Meeks, because she was apparently spotted on the Scream 5 film set. But of course, she is not mentioned in the cast for the film. But there is a Mindy Meeks. And my theory behind this is that Randy's parents wanted to start over, had another child, named her Mindy, and she returns back to Woodsboro to figure out what happened to her dead brother. Then, of course, we have some new faces like Richie Kirsch, who kind of looks like Matthew Lillard. So maybe he is coming back for revenge on his brother or could be like his cousin. But that motive isn't super strong for me. This could also be the same theory as Mindy. Stu's parents wanted to start over. They had another child, a son, but of course the last names are different, but this could be of, you know, because they are parents and they want to not associate themselves with their first psycho son. And the last name obviously correlates with their infamous son. Many people were also commenting that Stu's house will also be used in the new film as well. So that would be cool to see. Another thing I wanted to note is that Wes Hicks and Tara Carpenter were listed on the top line in the cast on Google. So we have to assume that they'll be playing key roles in the film. Also, we love the nod to Wes Craven with his name. So because of this, I do believe that this character will be inherently good. So maybe Tara will be one of the killers. Maybe she is playing the role of the innocent, but we find out later she's one of the killers, but uh, feels a little too screen four for me. We also have to assume that her last name is most likely a nod to John Carpenter because we know how the original Scream writers loved 1978 Halloween. But because we don't have a trailer as this episode is being posted, we pretty much know nothing and honestly Scream has a way of making sure that there are a lot of twists and turns when it comes to the killer or killers in their Woodsboro world. So a trailer might not even really help us at the point when it comes out. One thing as a huge fan of this franchise is that I love is the mystery and the connection between all of these characters. We love a good mystery and a whodunit and trying to figure out who it is and why they wanna do it. We really love theorizing too, which is why I wanted this episode to be my first one back because we will get a new film soon on January 14th and it will be simply titled Scream. The synopsis of the film is also extremely vague. A young woman who returns to her old hometown only to encounter horrific murder cases connecting to a notorious mass serial killer. So this could pertain to Sydney, could be Tara, could be Mindy, or even Deputy Judy and her lemon bars. We just don't know. Also, I'm curious to hear what your predictions might be for the upcoming new Scream film. So please let me know. And at this point, I've been talking for almost half an hour. So you're probably sick of hearing my voice. So I'm going to end this podcast episode right here. 
Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for my next podcast episode of Horror Nights In. New episodes drop every single Monday and thank you so, so much for being here. Also, stay tuned for my new podcast segment called Whisper Down the Alley where every Friday night in October starting this week, I share spooky stories to get you in the mood for all things scary, unnerving, and Halloweeny. And remember to stay safe and stay spooky. Also, you can follow me on all my social media if you want to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye!